Our reading today comes from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 7. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King This was after King Jeconiah and the Queen Mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elazah, son of Shapham, and Gamariah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. When we found our house 12 years ago, one of the things that really made me fall in love with it was the yard and the flowers out back. The lady who had lived there had clearly spent time and energy and love developing the roses and various plants all around the border. There was a big shed and a large patio, and I knew this was where we were going to land. But it didn't take long before I started taking things out and putting other things in and changing the border and changing the retaining walls and tearing down the shed and making the yard my own. That's the beauty of moving into a home. You can paint and put up your own pictures and move your furniture in and let it become not just your house, but your home a place that reflects who you are and what you value. It's a sign that you plan to be there for a while. But that wasn't what the Israelites wanted at all. The Babylonian army had come into their country and torn them from their homes, from their fields, from their communities and friends and family, and from the temple. They were sent into exile condemned to live in another country with different language and different culture and different gods. And I can't imagine they were given the really nice places to live and the good fields to own and farm. They were, if not slaves, at least the bottom of the social status. They were there to make Babylon greater. And you can imagine how little they were interested in doing that. You can imagine how much they wanted to go back to their promised land, to return to what they knew and what they loved, to return to their worship and their fellowship and their God. You can imagine because, in some ways, we have been living in a sort of exile since the COVID pandemic began. We were asked to abandon our worship spaces and our ways of life almost without warning. We were told what not to do and where not to go. 
Our children were pulled from schools and kept out of playgrounds, and the roles of our teachers and parents were upended. We've been forced to stay in our homes, and we don't like it. Well, most of us don't like it. It's been inconvenient. And I, for one, have gotten a little crankier. Work doesn't look the same. Vacations haven't gotten quite off the ground like we had hoped. The whole thing has put a wrench in our regular ways of living. And no one wants to stay like this. We are itching to start things back up, to get to the pool, and to touch and hug those we haven't seen in a while, to even gather in person for meetings, and of course, to come back to worship. But we don't just want to get back into the building. We want what we had before. The fellowship and the communion and the singing and the faces. And no matter when we go back, we know those things won't be the same, at least not for a long time. And we have no intention of putting down roots into this way of life. We don't want to hang up our pictures and plant our gardens and the house that we've been forced into. We aren't going to stay this way forever. We won't be here long. Well, that was the hope of the Israelites, too. But then Jeremiah came along with his message to the people, telling them to build their houses and get on with their lives right where they are. Plant their gardens and fields. Marry and start families. Don't wait to live until you're where you want to be. Live today. Live now. Because God can be found wherever you go. It was a reminder that they didn't need the temple to worship. They didn't need to be home to make a home. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like life has been put on hold while all of this has been going on. I'm often surprised when I discover that people are still selling homes and buying homes as if life still goes on and people still interact. It's even been hard to begin thinking about returning to worship, even if it is in a diminished sense, because I feel like the virus has pushed pause on everything, and I'm stuck in this weird Groundhog's Day loop. But Jeremiah doesn't allow for such purposeless thinking. He tells the people, he tells us, put down roots. Find new ways to do things. And learn to love those new ways. Learn to thrive in those new ways. Find ways to worship and ways to play and ways to shop and ways to fellowship that still honor where we are without losing a sense of who we are, of whose we are. Because our baptismal promises haven't changed. God has still claimed us and called us into a world to proclaim the good news just with masks on. God has ordained us in our baptism to minister wherever we are to the hungry and the homeless, the imprisoned and the oppressed, the left out and the bullied. Whether or not we meet in person, our mission is still to walk with Christ and neighbor, healing brokenness together. So who is your neighbor these days? Who are the ones with whom you can serve together? 
We have this new kitchen that we barely got to use before we had to shut things down. How can we offer meals to those who need them? How do we know who needs them when they aren't coming into the church building? This is a time for us to use our creativity and inspiration, both words centered on the Holy Spirit, to be more than we've been. This pandemic has been a blessing, creating space for us to imagine how we will be in the future. And we don't need to, nor should we, go back to exactly what we've done before. Before, we longed to be the church of the 1960s, when our sanctuaries were full and youth ministry was exciting and vibrant, Christmas programs brought down the house and society revolved around Sunday and Wednesday programming. Those were all exhilarating expressions of faith, but they're not the only expressions of faith. Maybe it's time to teach our kids about faith at home through prayer and conversation and Bible reading. Maybe we can find ways to have watch parties for worship, encouraging one another and praying for each other in small groups. Maybe we can sing our hearts out in our cars and pray at various times during the day in the sanctuary and engage in Bible study with family and friends and neighbors, maybe gathering in, in the parking lot or in some other large open area. Because the truth is, the church has always been an exile experience. We just haven't always thought of it that way. Jesus was deemed an outsider and a troublemaker. He had no place to call home during his ministry, and yet every place was his home. Every place was a place to worship and do ministry. The early church met in homes and gathered around letters from Paul and others and potluck meals. They didn't have buildings, formalized liturgy and organs. They had each other. They had people to minister to. And even when the church was an expected part of culture, whether that was in the Holy Roman Empire or state churches across Europe or even in the newly formed United States, the church has been in exile. She has been in exile as the true church who has no allegiance to an empire, who speaks out against injustice, who stands up to bullies, who has been beaten down by social norms. This church, in her fullness, has always lived at the margins. She has planted her roots where decent people dare not enter. She has lived among the lepers in colonies separated from their families. She has sung spirituals with slaves ripped from their homes. She has danced with Native Americans seeking a place to land when their homes and cultures were ripped from their hands. She has journeyed with people forced to leave their homes because there was no longer a home to go to. The church has ministered through discomfort and inconvenience, violence and despair. And she stands resolute, pointing to Christ on the cross as her wayfinder. Christ, who died as one feeling exiled. My God, why have you forsaken me? Christ planted the roots of the cross in exile itself, and the tendrils of death could not hold him, and they cannot hold us. Exile is not the end of the world. It is a shift 
and how we see it. Thanks to our loving God who went to the edge and back for our sake, we can see now the beauty and purpose of life even in places we prefer not to be. So it's okay to put down roots in exile. And you don't have to wait to live until you're where you want to be. Live now. Bloom here. For wherever you are, God is there watering the flowers you have so lovingly sowed, awaiting the harvest of abundant life for all the world. Amen.